Welcome to episode 182 of the Food Biz Wiz podcast. Today's show welcomes one of my favorite longtime clients, Sadie Sheffer of Bread Seriously, and we are getting together to have a conversation around setting clear expectations and what it does for your business when you use this tool. You're going to hear Sadie talk about the positive impact that having crystal clear expectations has on her relationships with her wholesale buyers, her team, and even relationships outside of work plus how to implement them in your own business, even if you think you're not very good at it. So let's get right into it. I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Wiz podcast to give you hard to access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. If you've been enjoying these episodes, imagine what it would be like to ask clarifying questions directly to me and have my assistants working through your strategy on these topics. Well, you can. My Retail Ready students have access to me live in our private online group and on our monthly Q&A calls, and I would love to see you there as well. Retail Ready enrollment is open and kicks off with my free masterclass on the three steps to growing your packaged food business. I have that class linked up here in the show notes, and I can't wait for you to join to learn my best tips on pitching to wholesale buyers and actually land on those retail shelves. Plus my tough love on why it doesn't actually matter how many wholesale accounts you have in the first place. And then you'll find out whether or not retail ready is the right fit for you and your stage of business. Come join me via the link in the show notes. Hi, Sadie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Allie. I am stoked to be here. Me too. I feel like this is, uh, this has been a long time coming. And when we first had the conversation, I was surprised that you hadn't been on the podcast yet. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what we've known each other for like 11 years now. I've always listened to the podcast. So I am very thrilled to finally be a guest. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. So let me do a little introduction for our listeners, for those who don't know, who don't know you, Sadie. So if you don't know Sadie yet, you are in for a treat today. Sadie is an artist. She is an MIT dropout and an accidental baker who learned the art of gluten-free baking to impress her college crush. I love this story. So today she's the CEO of Bread Seriously, who are makers of delicious gluten-free sourdough bread in Berkeley, California. And in addition to being gluten-free, Bread Seriously's products are also free from the top nine allergens. You can find Bread Seriously products in California natural grocery stores, in the refrigerated section, or at breadseriously.com. We'll link all of that up in the show notes for our gluten-free listeners. So beyond all of that... Sadie just said this, but I've had the pleasure of working closely with Sadie for, gosh, I mean, we've known each other, what, Sadie, 11 years maybe? And I think we've worked together in some capacity for like seven years. Does that sound accurate? Uh, Something like that. So let's see. We started selling our bread in Byright. Byright was my very first wholesale account in 2012 and you were our buyer. So yeah. Yeah. So when you started consulting... Yeah, I started consulting um, in 2014, oh so God, almost so nine years ago. 
Yeah. Yes. I don't think we worked together until about 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, Great. We started working together on some leadership and management coaching, which I desperately needed. Um, and that got me kicked off on this whole epic leadership journey that I never thought I would go on because I didn't think I was a leader. Um, and now leadership is like my hobby. <laughs> I love it. Um, and so I give you full credit for sending me down this path, very much including the toolkit of setting clear expectations. So I, I thought it was a pretty cool topic for us to get in on. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So Sadie, you are such an empathetic leader. You are an inspirational CEO. You're a creative, thoughtful food founder. And I'm so, I'm so happy that our listeners get to hear you in conversation. And Sadie, can we, can we start at the top there where you said you didn't think that you were a good leader? You didn't think that you were interested? I don't know if you said this, that you were interested in leadership. I think what I, like the tapes that were actually playing in my head at the time was, Mm -hmm. I don't know what a leader is. (laughs) I don't Mm -hmm. know what a manager is. I don't know what management is or leadership. And that's when I was like, I should probably get some help with this because I have a team of employees. I've been doing this. I started Bread Seriously in 2011. So at that point I'd been doing it for seven years. It was like, oh, you know, like, there's always that tape of like, everyone's going to find out. I don't know what I'm doing. But in this case, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing in terms of leadership and management. And I should probably figure it out because I'm, I'm probably not a very good boss. Um, and that's when we started working together. And Sadie, I like, uh, I like that you can be really honest here where it's not just the self-judgment of, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm a, I'm a fraud, but really critically looking and saying, I actually don't know what I'm doing in terms of leadership. I'm sure that you had some some great intuition, right? You're just an empathetic person. So some of those skills come naturally to you. But when you when you sat down and looked at the skills needed to be a leader in a company, you realized that you needed to to develop those skills. Definitely. So do you remember do you remember how many employees you would have had back then? And let's clarify, car- clarify you do all of your own production. So you have your own production facility. So you actually have a pretty large team. Yeah, right now we're people. a team of 20. I think back then, I don't know, maybe 12 or 15. Yeah. I don't I don't remember the exact number. Um, and it was a weird time because we had just left our co-packer and started self-manufacturing again in mm. 2017. Um, and so it was sort of like I had a few years off where like I only had a couple employees and all of them sort of self-managed. And I, you know, took took some time to be burnt out. Um, And so it was like back with a vengeance or just like working, like that was my time of working with, you know, the 60 to 80 hour weeks and like 20 hour days. It was ridiculous because we were, we were like figuring it out in real time. We had like a lights off, lights on transition from co-packing to our own facility. Um, Shout out to Colt Crackers who sublet to us at that time. That was super awesome. And yeah, it was like all new people. I was production manager and everything else. Like, wow. yeah, <laughs> I had a lot to learn. And, you know, Bread Series, I started Bread Series when I was 22. So my only real jobs had been like as a barista and I worked at the farmer's market. So I never worked anywhere that had like good management mm. or performance reviews or any of these tools that you coached me on. 
Right. And so you were, you were building, what's that phrase? You, you were building the plane as you were flying it, right? You Always, didn't come yes. from that corporate background and probably still feel that way to some extent today, right? A little less, which is really yep. cool just in the last yeah. couple of years, but yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, seven years ago, we started into this leadership development journey together. That was one-on-one that was pre-pandemic, right? Since then you've sent a couple team members through Retail Ready, which is really cool, your sales team. You've done a little bit of, um, or actually not even a little bit at this point, you've done one-on-one coaching with me um, as I got my leadership coaching certification. And and now I can say, I think we're friends, Sadie, too, beyond just, yeah. just um, fellow entrepreneurs, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, so I approached you and I was like, Sadie, let's do a podcast together. I'll, I just want you on the show. What do you want to talk about? And you came back with this topic of clear expectations. So why, why do you want to talk about clear expectations? Why is this topic important? So this was not a tool that's always been in my toolkit. I would say it's like just in the last four years or so. Um, and it feels like it's like the secret sauce. Like, um, I have a pet theory that Anyone can go into business doing anything with their key differentiator being that they are a business that sets clear expectations and they will win with customers. And like, mm. you know, I've, I've bought a house last year and I've been working on it. And like, every time I hire a contractor, I'm like, if this person only set clear expectations with me, I would hire them again. <laughs> like this seems, this is something that so many people struggle with and it's missing in so many places. And it's like, once you figure it out that it's like a need, it's actually not that difficult Once you get the practice, but it makes a world of difference in the customer experience and in partnerships and with, you know, between you and your employees, in your family, like it's, it's so magical. It's amazing. And so I I thought it would be a good topic. And then I also remember I went to a talk that you gave, who knows when it was in person in Oakland somewhere, maybe it was like Oakland small business week and you at food craft Institute way back when maybe no idea. Okay. But you said, what, what is the number one thing that employees want in their jobs? And everyone was like more money or like, (laughs) um, three day weekends. Yeah. Flexible schedule. We're like guessing, but you're like, no, it's clear expectations. And that was like, Oh, huh. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) So it always stuck with me. And since then it's been this, this, um, you know, journey of trying to figure out like, what does that mean? Um, one of the best things that I do with my employees is during onboarding, which you taught me what onboarding was <laughs> during onboarding. We have a conversation about expectations on a theoretical level. Like we set expectations. Sure. But we also have the conversation of like, clear expectations are really important. And mm-hmm. here's an invitation for one, setting expectations, because it's not just the employer who gets to set the expectations, it's a two-way street, but also asking when expectations aren't clear. Like we just say that right Mm. from day one. If expectations are ever not clear, please ask about it because we want to make sure we're setting you up for success. Um, And employees do. They say like, can you set a clear expectation about this timeline? What are you actually looking for? Like, I'm not sure what's expected of me with this assignment or something like that. And it's great because it just makes it a less scary conversation for everyone. Yeah. I get the feedback. I also don't have to be perfect because I've given them that permission to say, like, ask for what you need. Um, Disclaimer, I'm not perfect. Uh, (laughs) And um, yeah, it's just like, it makes things flow and feel more like a real partnership, not just like, I'm sort of a thoughtless delegator. 
Yeah, that was the word that was coming up for me while you were describing that, Sadie, that it 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 sounds like it's so important that it is a collaborative effort, especially in the training and onboarding, right? Those first 30, 60, 90 days are so crucial for that employee's success in the business. And that it's that both both people in the partnership have the, have the responsibility of outlining and upholding their expectations. Definitely. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And have the permission to say when something's feeling off or something's mm-hmm. unclear, because there is like no faster way to get to disappointment than having <laughs> unclear expectations. Right. Um, and there's like, um, this is a term I learned from um, Brene Brown, the book Dare to Lead, which, oh my God, I cannot recommend enough. Um, yeah, let's link that up in the show notes too. That'll be good for folks. That's yeah, a great this book. was like, I did a year of coaching with Allie and then I read Dare to Lead and it was just like fireworks going off. Like that was the good <laughs> order to do things for me. Um, but there's this term stealth expectations, which means basically expectations that aren't clear, but there's a couple of reasons why they might not be clear. And usually it's because we don't know we have them. Um, so it's sort of the thing, you know, if you flip a coin and it lands on heads, then you realize you actually wanted tails. That's a yes. self-expectation because okay. before you flipped it, you didn't know you wanted tails, but you actually did. Um, and that those show up all the time in the workplace and they're like really sneaky and, uh, dangerous. So mm. we also talk about those in onboarding, just like, this is what a self-expectation is. Can you think of any that you have? Maybe there are self-expectations that you bring with you from other workplaces, like, um, I had, I asked this of an employee once and she said that she thought, what would it, what I asked, what did, what do you think is expected of you in the workplace? Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't bring up problems until I can offer a solution, which I thought was so brilliant of her to say, because that's like the opposite of what we want at Bread seriously. Cause we have a really skilled team of problem solvers. We want people to bring problems to the table so that the team can jump in and solve them together quickly. Instead of waiting until someone finds a solution, right? So like just asking those questions or someone might say, what what do I think is expected of me? Like, I expect that when you give me work, it has to be done on time, regardless of whether I have to work extra hours to do it, rather than like the actual expectation that I hadn't named, which was like, when I give you work and it's too much, you can speak up and we can replace something that's already on your plate and take it off your plate. Things like that. These examples are blowing my mind because even with the first one, Sadie, on like what's expected in in the workplace and the problem solving, in my mind, I'm like, okay, if if a team member it has a challenge, I want them to present the challenge and their solution at the same time because I don't want Allie like to be the person who's the bottleneck for problem solving. Right. And right. so I love that Sadie, you and I both have both are like skilled business owners who have very different expectations and definitions about um how we want our team to behave in the workplace. And neither is right or wrong. It's just about what each of us prefer. Right. And let's say an employee who worked for you moved over and worked for me. Mm-hmm. Not that I would steal your employees, um, <laughs> but they might bring that expectation with them, thinking that especially people who are younger in their careers might yeah. think that like this is this is how things work in the workplace, yes. no matter the workplace. And so I find that a lot of people bring those expectations with them from other workplaces. And they're often expectations that require the employee to be like really hard on themselves. 
mm-hmm. um, yeah. working extra hours or not being able to ask for help, thinking that they're not able to ask for help because they've been burned in the past for asking for help in a workplace, things like that. Totally. And what I love about this city is that you are giving them permission to be human, right? And say that they don't understand or they need more clarification or or just to to have conversations with their teammates and conversations with their supervisors and with you, the founder and CEO. Right? Yeah. And I'm asking them permission for me to be human too. Yeah. I'm setting that expectation that like, I also make mistakes all the time <laughs> and I'll try to model what to do in those situations. I will also try to ask for help and take accountability and, um, you know, present problems before I have solutions. Yeah. Sadie, you are making it seem like you're a natural here and that you've always done this, <laughs> but I know that it's evolved over time. So can you give us this snapshot of how it's evolved at Bread Seriously and maybe what it looks like beforehand and, and how it feels now? Yeah. So before you and I started working together and that was 2018 again, um, we, I would have said at that time that we didn't have a company culture. I changed my tune mm-hmm. on that now. Like not having a company culture is a company culture. Um, it's more like you decide that you want to put intention behind it or you don't, but either way you're going to have <laughs> culture, a culture exists. unless you're just a team of one, maybe even then. Um, so it was pretty, um, I don't know, a DIY, like we've always been kind of a scrappy group, mm-hmm. um, but it was very solo. Like everyone kind of owned their own domain. We didn't have any communication platforms. Some people worked remotely. Some people worked onsite at the Copacker. Um, it was just sort of like good enough. Yeah. (laughs) The company, I didn't know how to be a manager. I didn't do much as a manager. But it was working for you, right? But it was, there was something that was, there, there has to have been something, some benefit to you to have it that way at the time. I mean, I was really burnt out from Mm. the first three years of running Red Seriously. Um, when I, when I was also the production manager, like that's just not a good role for me. I get right. really stressed out about minute things. Um, I forget to look at the bigger picture or I don't have energy. I was trying to do sales, but because I didn't want to do more production, I would just skip the sales, right. things like that, like conflict of interest, every direction. Bad right? cycle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when we got to the co-packer, I worked with them for about six months, training them on how to make the product. And after that, I, was done. (laughs) And I had a two year period of burnout where like, I could not, I could barely work. I had no hobbies at the time. Like I dropped all my hobbies to start bread seriously. And I didn't have the courage to pick them back up in case I wasn't immediately good at them again. And it was just like, it sucked. It was like a really long two years. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, bread seriously sort of ran itself for those years, which was great. It, It wasn't, profitable, but it didn't lose any money. We were just operating a break even. And you were paying yourself at that point. I was paying myself a little. Yeah. And all my employees were paid, of course. Like it was fine. It it was was functional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then I got re-inspired once that burnout ended, which was great. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when we jumped back in, took manufacturing back in-house, and then got through that holiday season. And then it was like, okay, I have I have some things to learn here. Gotcha. Um, so we worked together. You taught me what 
a, a, a weekly check-in is and why it's useful. You taught me what onboarding means, how to do performance reviews. You had me make all these templates that I still use today. Um, and then I got my hands on the audiobook of Dare to Lead. And I think I was going maybe to Expo or something. I was driving round trip to LA and I listened to the whole thing in the two days there and back. And I like, <laughs> I cried so many times, like driving and listening to this book. Like it was so transformative for me. And I got back to, I got back to the office and when we still had an office and I was like, everybody were reading this book as a team. <laughs> And we started a book club about it, which was really odd, but um, I credit it with a lot of the way that our company culture has turned out. And I love our company culture now. So we read this book together. So we got like a shared vocabulary, Mm -hmm. including things like how to set ground rules together um, for meetings. So things like we come as we are and we accept others as they are, um, trying to set the stage for a more inclusive workplace and a more psychologically safe workplace. Um, you know, meetings started having actual agendas. Yes. Yes. My dream for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, and we got this shared vocabulary around expectations, which was, has been invaluable and we use it every day. Wow. Okay. So Sadie, the before, and this isn't just, this is to be clear, this isn't like a before after of working together. This is before setting expectations and after setting expectations. So beforehand, you were just kind of winging it in your company. It was working okay, but it was burning you out and it was not sustainable. You had this period of burnout. I feel like there's a whole other podcast episode that we can do on <laughs> on burnout. I'm sure our listeners oh, I'd are be like happy to. Yeah, I'm sure our <laughs> listeners are like, but wait, everybody about this. Talk more terrible. about that. I know. Oh, I've been there too, and it is. Oh, I never want to go back. And then, so you came back. You brought production back in house. You had a really challenging holiday season, and you had uh, like, there's got to be another way. You listen to Brene Brown's Dare to Lead and you come back and you get everybody on the same page, reading the book and and talking about creating that that company culture together. Yeah. Mm. What a journey. It was amazing. It took us two years to read the book as a team. So we had, okay. of course, turnover during that time. So some people finished the book who didn't start it with us. Some people started the book and didn't finish it with us. Um, and new people haven't touched the book at all. But we set in place like a really strong core of those shared concepts of the expectations and the psychological safety and um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but there's there's a lot of great topics in this book. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and it stuck with us. So the onboarding process was completely transformed by things we read in the book. Um, which of course sets the stage. I shouldn't say of course, because some people listening to this might not have an onboarding process yet. And that's right. totally None. fine. Yeah. Everyone starts without an onboarding process at yes. some point. Yeah. Um, actually, one of my favorite things, it didn't come out of the book, but it came out of one of the book club conversations was the word obviously. Um, mm-hmm. It is a word that I have struck from my vocabulary and at read seriously, anytime someone uses it, we have a conversation because one, is there really any such thing as an obvious thing? Like nothing is universally obvious. Um, the obvious is a red flag for a stealth expectation. Yeah. Mm. Two, if I say obviously onboarding sets the stage for an employee's success and you've never heard of onboarding, 
I just made it really unsafe for you to be like, actually, I don't know what onboarding is. Yeah. I get all this self-doubt. I question if I'm running my company correctly. I, yeah, you, gosh, that's a lot of harm that you can do with just the word. One little word. Obviously. And I I told my mom and my aunt about this. And now anytime either of them says it, they just crack up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so cute. Well, I mean, Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I'm going to be really aware of that. And that's something I'll take back take back to our team as well. And so Sadie, but even in this example, that's setting expectations at your company that you don't use the word obviously. Yeah, we talk about it in onboarding. We talk about the word obviously. <laughs> it's a shame trigger. Yeah. And a flag for self-expectations. It's a double yeah. whammy. Yeah. Ooh, all those tough things. So what about our listeners who are like, okay, Sadie, I I get it. I get the importance of this, this, this I'm on board, but I'm not good at having those difficult conversations. I don't know what my expectations are. I don't, you know, I only have one team member like, or like, I work with my best friend who's my co-founder. Like we have the same expectations. What happens? What do you say to that listener on the other end of this podcast? Mm, so tough. So first of all, when you when you have the conversation as a theoretical conversation, this is what my goal is with clear expectations. This is the definition of self-expectations. Here's an invitation to bring it up in the future. Then when you do have to bring it up, it's not that hard. So that's my... That's my like cheat code for making them not hard conversations. Cause yeah, I hate hard conversations. Nobody yeah. likes them. They're a total drag. Um, and you can spiral out of control dreading them, right? Yeah. Um, but when we set the stage in onboarding that we're gonna talk about expectations, then when something tough comes up, you've already like opened the door to it in a really right. lovely and thoughtful way. Like, um, <laughs> My husband pointed out to me that one of my main methods of self-care is doing favors for my future self. (gasps) And onboarding is a favor to my future self. So wise. Yeah. And so onboarding is a favor for your future self. Yeah. I'm just sort of like putting out the breadcrumb trail of like, we're, we're doing a dress rehearsal when the stakes are totally low. Yeah. And then when we have to do it, we've had the practice and it's just more approachable for both of us. Right. So even just leading with those two sentences on, hey, here at Bread Seriously, we like to talk about and set and get really clear on expectations. In the future, we'll have many a conversation about expectations. It's almost like you've, you've given yourself permission to bring it up again, even if it's going to, even if it's hard or awkward, right? Yeah, like breaks the taboo. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So but our listeners people, can Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Our so our listeners can just start by trying that, just setting expectations that they're going to talk about expectations. Yeah, and of course, you know, the easiest way in my opinion to do this is on an employee's first day or during their mm-hmm. first month. But you can also do it with employees that you've had for a long time or business partners or vendors or buyers. You can say I heard this cool podcast about clear expectations and I wanted to bring it up on a theoretical level. Here's what I heard. Maybe you give a listen too. And then I'd like to start bringing this into our company culture. Um, So even if you already have like a hard conversation you've been dreading, you can still start with the theoretical stuff 
and then maybe yeah. like a week <laughs> so yes. go back to your heart topic or something. So of course, that's not the only way to go. You can, you have my permission to have the conversation whenever you need, if that's where right. of, of course. But I like this idea of doing a favor for your future self. Start with the theoretical conversation right now, you know, plant those seeds. And a week from now, you can have the, the hard conversation. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And for the listeners who are like, I don't have any employees. This doesn't apply to me. You can use this with your buyers. And how how does that, how does that work? So for us, you know, we do direct delivery with our products. So, you know, we own the logistics as well. So I think it's, it's probably more applicable for someone like that, but I know Mm -hmm. a lot of the food biz Wiz audience are pretty small and starting out. Um, So this is setting expectations about when the samples will arrive and by what carrier and what to do with them when they do arrive. For us, it's please put them in the fridge until you're ready to taste them. Um, It's setting expectations of I will follow up on this date. And then when you do follow up on that date, you build credibility. It's this is when your first order will arrive, or these are the three things I need from you before we can send out your first order, or this is how long we're going to have to hold your order for until you pay your overdue invoices. <laughs> like yes. those expectations are really clear. And when they're clear, like they don't have to be mean either. I feel like a lot of uh, people might kind of balk at that be like, well, I don't, I don't want to be mean and like tell them they have to pay. This is something that we, we deal with internally too, because yeah. we want to be nice. <laughs> but those clear expectations, there's nothing either mean or nice about them. They're just this is how it goes. I set the expectation when the stakes were low. And now that the stakes are a little higher, I'm just going to point back to that. And we're going to do business together. And we're going to still try to be good partners with each other because we have these rules that we lean on. Absolutely. And I think for the listeners who who are like, well, that's going to make me seem high maintenance. If Mm -hmm. I have all these demands, right? Like I only ship on Thursday. So you have to order by Monday at noon, right? Like anytime we talk about these like demands that you have as a producer, I always flip it back and think that as a buyer, if you don't have any guidelines or you don't have any expectations as the buyer, it makes you seem disorganized. It makes you seem smaller than you are. It makes you seem um, like a pushover in in some ways. And so Sadie, I love that reminder that it actually is beneficial, obviously to you as the business and with your business operations, but it's also really beneficial to that wholesale buyer who then knows exactly how to be that, that best partner for you. Yeah, I think I heard you say that maybe on one of your first episodes or something Mm. that like being flexible doesn't make you a good partner. It makes you look disorganized. And I was like, oh, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Got me. (laughs) It's true because we want we want to be accommodating. Right. And of course, like as there is the advantage of being nimble as a smaller brand. Right. And I don't want to discredit that. But when when you show up to that buyer meeting and you're like, oh, I don't know, you can order any day. The turnaround time is, you know, as soon as we can make it, it it makes you seem unprofessional. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I I hear you about the demanding part or like Mm -hmm. high maintenance. And I definitely go through phases of that, too. But you can also use this tool to ask the buyer about their expectations. 
It's not yes. just you. Remember, expectations are a two-way street. We all expect things of each other, whether we think we do or not. And whether whether we have the power in the relationship or not, or whether it's evenly distributed, you know, everyone expects something. And that doesn't make you high maintenance. That makes you human. Yes. Yeah. So in retail, in our retail ready group, Sadie, I'm sure you see this. Students will ask questions like, Hey, Allie, what, what percentage discount should I give in my quarterly promotion for XYZ retailer? And I always respond and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, why don't you go and ask that retailer what percentage discount would meet their expectations for an acceptable promotion? Totally. And that, you know, Sadie, you're you're just reminding me that we can ask the buyer of their expectations, whether it's around velocity or promotions or ordering and delivery time, shelf life, all of those things. And that that helps build trust in that buyer relationship. Yeah, it's very hard to deliver on some on res, deliver results to a buyer when you don't know what results they want from you. Yeah. So you might go to them and be like, "We have twelve turns per SKU per week," and they might be like, "Well, this other brand has twenty, and like, <laughs> why are you wasting my time?" And, and this might be like devastating news because they never told you that you were supposed to hit exactly. twenty. Um, that was a stealth expectation they had. They didn't share that information with you, and it's not on you to feel bad about that. It's on you to go gather some information so that you can deliver. Um, you know, on your promises, on their expectations, like. Most people, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning. Most people suck at setting expectations. Um, and I think once you know that, you'll have your like magic expectations earbuds on, right? You'll be able to see like, I think there's an expectation here that's not clear and I'm going to ask for it, you know? And I just did that one with the promos. I want to do, uh, I want to have my products be 10% off for um, different periods in February and March. I picked my retailers. And then I asked all my friends, I was like, what kind of discount do I need to give to get the products to be 10% off? And I got like 30 different answers. <laughs> so then I emailed each of the buyers individually. And I said, I would like to do a promo on these dates. I would like the product to be marked down 10% on shelf. What do you need to see from me in order to hit that 10% number? And I've gotten back different answers from each store. Um, and so right, just because they all have like different that. expectations because they yeah. all have different expectations. Yeah. But I, I worded my email very carefully with exactly the information that the store would need to get me the answer back. And now I know how to move forward. Yeah. And it was well, cool. Sadie, it was empowering. I, I imagine there too, you were really thoughtful where you weren't putting the work on the store. The, you didn't ask the store to design a sales strategy for you. You didn't say like, Hey, we'd like to increase sales of bread seriously at your store. How can we make that happen? Right. You right. came, you came with the plan, presented it to the buyers and asked them about expectations on their end to make it a successful, successful promo. Exactly. You know, there's a subtle difference back there, and but... said, um, you know, we can't mark it down 10%. Here's what we can do. Actually, mm -hmm. everyone who's responded so far has said that. So they offered an alternative mm -hmm. and then they told me exactly what they need from me technically on the invoice in order to make it happen. And now we're rolling with those promos. Um, awesome. So it's, it's like, if you take a breath, <laughs> take a deep breath before you send this email, before you craft this email and you're trying to think like, yeah, what is all the information I need to provide? 
so that the store knows exactly what I'm talking about and can give me the answer I need. It's this like, we keep saying, I've read seriously this like, help me, help you, help me. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah. You know, retail is all about partnerships, right? We want to show up as the very best partner that we can. And buyers want to work with people who they trust. So you're just facilitating, you're, you're like fostering that, that trust. And then Sadie, I know that you do that with your direct to consumer things, probably setting expectations around shipping and storage and refrigeration and how to enjoy your bread, you know, toasted or whatever it is. So I'm sure it works on that side of sales as well. Definitely. Any place you have logistics, you have room to set clear expectations. Mm. Um, But we also have expectations around customer service, like what we do and don't cover and what our policies are. And we have expectations around like how to reach out to us and when you will get a response and Mm. things like that. And I know that like, I'm just listening to myself being like, wow, this sounds so intimidating. (laughs) I did not build these on my own. My team is also really good at this. Um, Anything customer service was not my making. <laughs> I do not get the credit <laughs> for this. Um, and it's been an evolving process, right? Because anytime you get a customer inquiry or complaint, that's a that can show you a little bit about where your messaging is unclear. So like we've had years to refine our FAQ page. We refine it yeah. all the time. We've had years to refine our um, you know, automatic customer service email that says, we received your message. Here's when we'll get back to you. In the meantime, here's some answers to common questions, things like that. Um, so like you've got time and you don't need to get this perfect on the first shot and you will never get it perfect, spoiler <laughs> alert, um, which is also fine because it's going to evolve and people's questions are going to evolve, evolve on the customer side. People's dietary restrictions are evolving all the time. So they're going to be asking different types of questions about different aspects of your business. Mm-hmm. People's values are evolving. They're now going to be asking you, you know, are you B Corp certified and why not? And what are your employment practices? And how do you source XYZ? And are you regenerative organic now? And why not? Like, right. So like, you know, do your best (laughs) and then, you know, don't, don't like forego all of your other stuff because you're doing this, but like just start to incorporate this concept of clear expectations into your day to day and into your relationships. And it's going to get easier and it's going to start to feel more natural. Mm. Sadie, you are an inspiration. I think for our, for our listeners who, who are nodding along and frankly, a little intimidated by all of the (laughs) stuff that you, you just said so easily. I'd remind them as well, that if they're in their first few years of their business, not to compare where they are with you, Sadie, in year 11 of your business, right? Totally. And I mean, truth be told, I'm intimidated listening to myself here. So like, (laughs) this is scary stuff. Okay. (laughs) It took me a long time and a lot of heartache to get here and a lot of mistakes and trial and error. Oh my gosh. I make mistakes all the freaking time. Um, you can do this and you can do it in the way that's right for you. And the way that's right for you is going to be different than the way that's right for me. Mm, Yes. Thank you, Sadie, for all of your wisdom today. I, I can't wait until we get to do a follow-up podcast episode at some point. So Sadie, before I let you go, where can people find you? How should they stay in touch if they want to peek around at what Bread Seriously is doing? Yeah, well, check out our website, which is always evolving <laughs> as we're trying to refine our expectations. 
redseriously.com. Either spelling, seriously without the vowels or with the vowels, will get you there. You can email me, Sadie, at breadseriously.com. Ali, you can link that in the show notes. Um, you can find us on Instagram. We're at breadseriously. That's seriously without the vowels. My customer care team will be delighted to respond to you. And then if it's directly for me, they'll pass it on to me um, through that platform. Awesome. Thank you, Sadie. Thank you so much for joining and sharing your knowledge today. My absolute pleasure. Deep, deep gratitude to you, Ali, for getting me started on this path. Of course. And thank you guys for, thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. I hope it was really helpful for you to hear Sadie talk through that importance of clear expectations and the impact that it can have on your business and on your life. So we want to know if you are committed to taking a small step forward here and how this podcast landed with you. So if you're listening, you know our call to action for our listeners in 2023. Come and tell us. Find Sadie and me on Instagram or on LinkedIn and let us know how this episode resonated with you. Send us a DM, tag us in a story if you're listening, and share this with your founder community if you're aligned with our mission of educating and empowering CEOs. As always, thank you for tuning in today. And a big thank you again to Sadie for giving her time to our listeners. And we'll see you right back here next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Whiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.